Are you interested in an MBA that will give you a strong foundation in business fundamentals and then allow you to create the MBA education that will launch you on the business career of your dreams? A program that is located in an entrepreneurial hotbed, a growing dynamic region of the United States? Tune in as we talk to UT Austin's Director of Admissions. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 452nd episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for listening. Are you debating whether to apply round three of this year or round one of next year? It's a great question, and there are pros and cons to each position. Join me on January 20th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern for our next MBA admissions webinar, when I'm going to dive deep into who should apply round three and who would be better off waiting until next year. You can reserve your free seat for this webinar our first MBA webinar of 2022 at exhibit.com slash round three. That's the word round and the number three. Again, exhibit.com slash round three to reserve your seat. It gives me great pleasure to have for the first time on Admissions Straight Talk, Rodrigo Malta, Managing Director, MBA Recruitment and Admissions at UT Austin McCombs. Rodrigo earned his bachelor's at Missouri State and his MBA from UT Austin McCombs in 2007. He started working in MBA admissions at McCombs in 2008 and became the managing director in 2010. In addition to his duties at UT Austin, Rodrigo is a member of the Board of Trustees of the Consortium for Graduate Study Management of Salesforce's Recruitment and Admissions Advisory Council, and he's also UT's representative on the Graduate Management Admissions Council. Rodrigo, welcome to Admissions Straight Talk. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Linda. So glad to be here. Okay. I'd like to start with just some very basic kind of introductory questions for listeners who may not be that familiar with UT Austin's program, and then get more specific and focused on admissions. Is that all right? That is perfect. Okay. So let's start again with that basic overview of the full-time MBA program at UT. Um, Can you focus on its more distinctive elements? And that's the question. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Happy to share. So hi, listeners. Really excited to be here. Thank you, Linda, for uh, giving the opportunity to share a little bit about Texas McCombs. So I'm going to speak and share information primarily about our two-year MBA program at our Austin, Texas campus. Uh, We do have five different MBA programs, uh, three of of the part-time variety, one executive MBA program. Uh, But for the full-time MBA program in particular, I think there are three distinctive elements that I would like the listeners to know about um, as they are considering different business schools to pursue their studies. So one is a highly flexible and deep curriculum that we have for our full-time MBA students. So coming in, we bring in a class of about 260 students from a variety of walks of life, educational, professional backgrounds. So it is really important for us to ensure they have kind of that core business foundation, the core classes. So you do all your core classes, the majority of that first semester, Uh, together in cohorts. We divide those 260 students into four cohorts, and everybody gets that uh, solid academic business foundation to then explore 100-plus electives that we have across 20 concentrations in classes that you can take at the business school and outside the business school. So this highly flexible and deep curriculum where over over 70% of the program itself is self-selected coursework um, is one of the highlights of our program. The second highlight that I wanted to really share with the listeners are the people. We have amazing individuals pursuing their dreams here at Texas McCombs and amazing faculty members that are gonna be supporting you along the way. So the combination of the amazing research faculty that is not only creating knowledge, but disseminating it in a really great way in the classroom with students that are thirsty to to know more, to make an impact, and the staff that's going to be there to really advise you and help you navigate all the opportunities of Texas McCombs is really important. So people number two. 
And the last aspect is place. Um, we are really fortunate to be part of one of the prime, um, primary research institutions in the US at the University of Texas at Austin. And it is even luckier that we are in the amazing city of Austin, which provides our students with a vibrant business community to put to practice what they're learning in the classroom. But it's also an amazing place to live. Uh, it is a great place where young people are flocking to, and it's something that really provides a unique combination of, um, of study and fun uh, for our students. So that flexible and deep curriculum, people in place, I think, are what really makes uh, the Texas Macombs full-time MBA program unique. It sounds, uh, sounds fascinating. It sounds wonderful. Um, of course, UT, along with the rest of the entire world, <laughs> has been affected by, by COVID. Now, you, you emphasize, you know, the, kind of these three pillars, the strong foundation combined with flexibility, the people that both make up the staff and the student body, and the vibrancy of Austin. How has COVID, which has affected everything, not only affected the, the MBA experience, but what do you see kind of lasting? Uh, going forward? That's a, a great question. So um, I will start that with everything that you do, we do at UT Austin, you know, the health and safety of our students, faculty, staff members are top of mind. Uh, and, and with that as a lens and a goal, uh, we are really happy that we were able to do in-person delivery of all of our programs for the fall. So we not only delivered you know, classes in person, our student organizations were able to meet in person, and we even had some admission events on campus uh, kind of late in November. So um, it was great to see uh, prospective students coming into our new building and really experiencing the program firsthand. So I'm really proud of how our students came together with our faculty and staff to make that possible and for those experiences to be delivered you know, in a safe manner uh, where everybody felt really comfortable and they were able to uh, deliver successfully. I think, uh, you know, a couple of things that will um, continue to be um, aspects of the COVID experience that we'll take on as hopefully COVID winds down a little bit, um, include uh, virtual advising appointments were really a big hit with mm -hmm. staff and students alike. Um, and just generally, the ability of our students to virtually connect with our staff and faculty via Microsoft Teams, I think other schools might use Slack, but really a way for folks to feel engaged in a part of a community, even kind of in a virtual world. From a missions perspective, we were able to go uh, to come in and deliver a really solid incoming class with only virtual events. So the class that came in fall of 2021, they didn't have the opportunity to come for in-person events. Mm -hmm. So we were able though to tell them a home story and engage with prospective students in a successful manner virtually. So we see, we'll see a lot of those engagement opportunities lasting even beyond when you know we are back to hopefully a more uh, normal, um, a more normal experience. So um, it is, you know, a situation that is ever-changing, ever-evolving. We understand that the situation that might be happening in Austin may be very different than what's happening in New York or New Delhi or in Sao Paulo. So we completely understand that applicants and prospective students are uh, coming in um, with different mindsets and different situations. So what I urge all your listeners to do is to reach out to us. We're incredibly accessible via email, via LinkedIn, uh, via a telephone call, and we are here to help you and engage with you and make sure that you can submit that successful application. So uh, engage with us. We know the COVID situation is not going to be resolved in one fail swoop, but I think that I'm, I'm, I am hopeful that we're able to take some of the learnings in the past year and a half and especially what happens this fall and take that momentum on for the spring. If if we arrive or when I should say I should say if I should say when we arrive 
at a point in time where COVID is considered manageable or eradicated. And I don't think eradication is, is likely. That's my, my, you know, for all it's worth, that's my personal opinion. But let's say it's, it's considered managed, like many, many other diseases. Do you anticipate um, a combination of, of virtual and in-person recruiting events? For sure. Um, I think as we come back to in-person events, um, we want to keep the successful virtual opportunities that mm-hmm. were available and, 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 and were well received by prospective students and, and really think about, okay, where is the value add of that in-person touch yeah. point? You know, before we used to go on the road uh, quite often all over the world, um, early on in the admission season, then to interview candidates and then to do admitted student events. Um, so now what we're thinking about, you know, on top of the funnel, when we're sharing general admissions information, we can reach a lot more people by hosting a virtual coffee chat. You know, I have a standing coffee chat every week that I have 60 people join at a time and we have great conversations, you know, so I'm reaching a lot of more folks this way. But there's also value of then coming to experience the on-campus, um, what Texas has to offer on-campus, right? So coming into our new building and figuring out what is the culture like and having that in-person experience is really important. So let's focus on those on-campus events. But at the same token, we're a global program, so we need to connect with people internationally. So when, when is it the right time to go to India you know, or go to Europe or go to Africa and connect with those students. So we're, we're thinking about what that looks like. And um, I think as we figure out what that may entail, we'll for sure seek feedback from our prospective students and um, applicants to see what's the best, um, what's the best ratio of events. I will say, though, that, you know, our admissions teams um, have been working so hard. Um, so it, we always want to do everything and we can't do everything. So it will be really hard figuring out what we don't do anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, sca- time, of course, is the scarcest of resources. Uh, and then there's the other resources too. So it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how the world evolves as well as how admissions evolves. Again, when... Um, when I think COVID becomes considered, you know, manageable yep. um, or, or even better eradicated, but I'm, I'm not optimistic on that one. Now, getting back to UT, UT, you mentioned it's, you know, it's strong core and it's, and it's breadth, the combination. Um, it has several dual degree programs, including in Asian studies, global policy studies, Latin American studies, Middle Eastern studies, and Russian, Eastern European, and Eurasian studies. So that's pretty much Different, all, all different parts of the globe, pretty much you got covered there. Um, Pre-COVID, I'm guessing that travel was a part of these dual degree programs, if not an option in the regular MBA program or a requirement. Is UT Busy School starting to travel again? So I'll say that one thing that all those dual degree programs have in common is that I want to visit um, all of those places where, <laughs> <laughs> where the focus geographical areas for those studies are. Like right. sign me up for every single one of those yeah, trips. Yeah. When we can no, I mean, you really again. got the globe pretty much covered there. The, I think the only thing you're missing is Australia and New Zealand. Right. Uh, and I'm sure <laughs> that's in the works, maybe. So okay. Maybe I can drop, drop, drop. Uh, Actually, drop Africa's, Africa isn't on it yet. Yeah, yep. maybe that's covered in the global policy. I don't know. Um. So for our programs um, here at UT, we had a few students travel to national conferences like National Black MBA, for example, uh, Pro Hispanica as well, the ones that were delivered in person. Um, and we actually had a few exchange students uh, that were able to come to Austin, mostly from Europe in this fall as well. So we're starting to pick up some of that travel. Um, And most recently, our part-time MBA program, just last week, they went on their global trips. Um, um, So there were seven trips and we took 150 students abroad. So um, those opportunities are starting to open up. And I think the Texas McCombs MBA program is sort of the trailblazer within UT. So we were the first ones to take students back abroad um, in in that manner. And the current plans for our full-time MBA program in particular 
is to deliver five global study tours over spring break, which is what we normally do, um, and reignite the exchange programs in the other way around. So not only welcome our exchange students from partner universities, but right now the plan is to send close to 25 students abroad for the spring. Um, again, with the COVID situation, everything is extremely fluid. Even though those part-time MBA uh, global trips, um, we had to cancel one of the trips last minute. So there are eight trips. Uh, we had to cancel one. So we keep a really close eye on what's the situation like, and we prepare our students for all scenarios. Uh, but um, I agree with you, Linda, when you said, I, I, I wish and hope that COVID is eradicated, but I think in the near term is something that we're going to have to learn with, uh, to live with. Yeah. Um, and we want to deliver the best academic experience to our students. And we believe that that global exposure is a key part of the MBA education. So we want to make our best attempt to deliver those experiences. So uh, on the admission side of the house, uh, we're beginning to travel domestically a little bit. Um, so we have a few admitted student meetups for round one uh, that will happen in January in New York, um, in San Francisco, Chicago, and the main Texas cities. So we look forward to starting to travel again, um, maybe a little bit more starting in, in the spring as well. Right, right. We actually just got back from a trip to Israel. We have a son in, in Israel. And, and um, we, had, we got in just before Israel locked down. Then you know, we were there when Omicron was discovered or announced. And then we got back before the U.S. tightened its testing. And we've, we've been fine. So, yep. you know, but obviously, you know, I, I, you have to be flexible and you, you can plan and you can prepare. You can hope for the best. And then you just got to hope it works out. Yep, I'm I'm um I don't know if I shared this with your listeners or if you know I'm originally from Brazil and uh my my you know my dad lives there, I have brothers yeah. and sisters, so I live back home and I haven't been able to visit home for close to three years. Oh wow. Um so we're definitely planning to visit in July, but most recently my sister who lives here in the in Austin with me, her kids went to visit her grandparents. So it was great to see like family reconnecting, oh, which yeah. I'm sure it was the same experience that you had. Yeah. Went to Israel to see your son. Son, he has um, he has five kids. So it was, you know, we saw the grandchildren and his wife and other relatives. It was wonderful. It was absolutely yeah. wonderful. So I yeah. hope you get to do that very soon too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> right. Now getting back to, to McCombs, um, is there something that people don't know about Macombs that you really like them to know, or perhaps a common misconception you'd like to dispel? Yeah. So there are two that I often talk about because I get questions about this all the time when I host a virtual chat or if we're doing a nipple session. Go so it. oftentimes, you know, uh, prospective students um, think uh, about Macombs being a very regional school. Uh, but we do have a global brand um, in Texas Macombs and the Texas Longhorns University of Texas at Austin. And we place uh, not only a lot of individuals in Texas, as you'd expect, but outside of Texas as well. So we actually place more students outside of our home state than our comparable programs in New York and California. So we're really lucky to be in Austin, which is a place where people want to be in. And also, you know, we place a lot of students in Dallas and Houston. Uh, but we, we do place a good amount of students outside of the state of Texas. So we love our Texas residents that go to UT. Uh, but we welcome individuals uh, from outside of Texas and all over the world. And you don't have to stay in Texas. You could go to Texas. You carry that brand with you and you're going to be an honorary Austinite and Texan wherever you go after you graduate. Uh, but we do have a lot of connections and opportunities for individuals to uh, go beyond the state borders after graduation. That outside of Texas, where are the primary places that uh, UT grads go? Yeah, so we place quite a few folks in, in New York, primarily around banking, um, some consulting. And then we also place pretty strongly in the Bay Area, primarily in the technology sector. And as of late, we have been placing a lot of folks also in Seattle, um, some in Denver, 
um, and, and Chicago to a lesser extent as well. Um, so a, a variety of, of different places. I think one of the things that has happened though in the past five years is that the number of our students that want to stay in Austin has increased dramatically. Um, and I think, you know, Austin is often in the news for relocations of headquarters and opportunities in different um, industries. So we're happy to see Austin now have the infrastructure and opportunities to support the students who want to be here. But we continue to, of course, place students outside of the city of Austin and outside the city. And there was another, th- another, uh, I guess, misconception you wanted to dispel before I interrupted you. Yeah. So the other one um, is also around career and placement, but it's more specific to industry. So oftentimes people associate Texas with oil and gas. And I would say to your listeners that uh, we are, if not the best, one of the best places in the country to pursue your studies in energy. But we go beyond uh, the traditional oil and gas field. So there's great balance between traditional oil and gas opportunities that are available to our students. But we see the growing field of clean technology be a really strong area of interest for individuals that are interested in energy that don't want to work in oil and gas. So um, we have a clean tech concentration that mirrors our energy finance concentration uh, that really focuses on solar and wind and that clean technology space and something that I, I would like all, all your listeners to be aware of. Our biggest placement uh, continues to be intact. So over 30% of the class goes into tech, followed by consulting at 20%. And then um, energy um, is close to 10% of our placement, but it's more than just oil and gas. Right, right. And I always think of entrepreneurship in terms of, of UT. As a matter of fact, um, a couple of years ago, I think this was probably before before COVID, right, BC? Um <laughs> And maybe it wasn't quite that long ago. I'm looking at it. I interviewed a, a LBS grad who'd done a semester at, at UT and absolutely loved it. And I'll link to that from the show notes for this show. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you can find it at accept.com slash 393 if anybody wants to listen to it and go directly there. But he had a, he just had a wonderful time and started his own business. Yeah, we have a lot of opportunities on the startup space. Uh, entrepreneurship is an area where you can get a, a great education and solid foundation because we have amazing professors in the in the space where they are you know, on the board of startup companies, have started their own businesses, so practitioners as well as researchers. So you get that academic foundation. But I think what makes us special is how uh, accessible Austin is for people to put to practice their business ideas, be it working on their own business ideas or seeing, okay, I have an interest in this particular area, what's going on in the startup space here, and then connecting that space and really either doing a micro consulting project or doing an internship or uh, for those that are able to do it, kind of pursue that entrepreneurial venture full-time after graduation. So Austin is is a great place for that too. Okay, great. Now let's turn to the application. McCombs requires a GMAT or the GRE, but I understand it will also accept the executive assessment. Um, do you have any plans to expand the number of tests that you accept or to be more generous with test waivers? Um, as I understand it from your website, you will give a waiver to those who could not take the GMAT or the GRE due to COVID-19. But with online testing, that's a fairly small number of people. So what would be your answer to, to that? Yes, for sure. So we continue to monitor uh, the past optional developments in the graduate management education space pretty closely. Uh, we do not have any current plans to change or add to the types of tests we accept. So we do accept the GMAT, GRE, and EA, and we accept the valid or expired scores for all of those three test categories. And as you mentioned, we do have a COVID test waiver in place. And um, we are working uh, really closely with University of Texas at Austin Graduate School Admissions to make sure we align with their testing policies. Um, And I don't 
see us changing that for the next admission cycle. Okay. Uh, but again, um, I feel like I everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt, uh, <laughs> given the COVID situation. So I, you know, but the current plans are to continue with what we have in place. Okay. Now, UT's class profile for the class of 2023 has some pretty impressive stats, 704 average GMAT, 318 average GRE total, uh, 3.44 average GPA. What do you look for besides stats? Yeah, so um, we take our holistic review of an application really seriously. So all of the application components that an applicant submits are taken under consideration. Um, you are more than your GMAT or GRE or GPA. So for us, it's really important to dive into an applicant's work experience. And by work experience, we don't mean the quantity of years or months experience somebody has, but really the impact and trajectory that someone has had in the workplace. Um, from a, a culture perspective, we have an incredibly entrepreneurial and collaborative environment here at Texas Macombs. So we're going to be uh, reviewing letters of recommendation and resume and essays and interviews and keeping kind of a, an eye and ear out for evidence of your collaboration in the workplace or in places where you've been. Uh, what's your entrepreneurial spirit like? Um, something that we value here at Texas Macombs, and I think it's part of that Texas spirit, is grit, right? Your and ability to do the hard work and roll up your sleeves and get things done. So those are some of the things that we look for in, in the application itself. So I feel like sometimes, you know, a, a high, you know, average GMAT or high average GRE or really high GPA may turn some individuals off from uh, considering Macombs or submitting an application. And for those of, you know, those of your listeners that are on the fence, it's like, I don't know if I, you know, my GMAT is below the average, I'm not going to get in. Talk to us. We are here to support you and put your best foot forward. You are more than that number. And we want to hear your story. Um, we love, love, love to, to hear your story, to hear where you're coming from. And it's really a privilege to be in the receiving end of such amazing applications. So work with us. And um, I, I think that you'll be um, surprised that, that you can put together a really strong application, even if you have below average UMAT or below average GRE. Well, one of the things I always tell applicants is, an average is an average because people roughly half are admitted with below average numbers. Yep. It's not a ceiling. Yes. Or yes. a floor. Or a floor. It's neither. Yep. So um, anyways, okay. What happens to an application after the applicant hits submit? That's when the hard work for us really begins. Um, so um, after um, you hit that submit button, uh, one thing that I want you to note, so I always equate hitting the submit button with the deadline day. So for the full-time <laughs> MBA program, we don't start reviewing your application for the round until the day after the deadline. So if you happen to submit, you know, hit that submit button two weeks um, before the deadline, uh, you will get a couple automated messages from us. You'll be invited to engage with us in the different types of events, but we don't really start that application review until the day after the deadline. And what happens the day after the deadline is we start to review the applications at a high level to determine the individuals that we're going to be inviting to interview. Um, our goal is always to have 80 to 90% of the interview invitations out for a particular round within three weeks of that deadline date. Woo, that's um, pretty fast. So we are all hands on deck uh, doing that high-level review of, of the applications to get as many of those interview invitations out as possible to give our applicants enough time to prepare for the interview, to schedule the interview, and go through the process. At the same time that we're going, um, kind of interview invitations are going out and we're starting to interview candidates, uh, the application gets assigned one or two readers 
Um, so that reading process is happening at the same time as the interviews are taking place. Uh, we usually give an interview deadline day within um, a particular round, so applicants know when they need to schedule that interview by. And then after that date, we start to meet as an admissions committee. And the admissions committee is a lot of fun. Um, this you know, fall for round one, we're able to come back to campus and sit in the same room, which was awesome. You know, we've yeah. been conducting virtual admissions committee for the past couple rounds. So it was just a lot of fun to be back with the team in one room. And the person that reads your application, your primary reader is kind of your speaker for that particular candidate. And then we discuss all the candidates in committee and decide on the admissions decision and scholarship awards leading up to the decision deadline date, which just so happens that our uh, full-time round one decision deadline uh, notification date is today. So. Oh, wow. It's December 16th, by the way, listeners, because you're going to be listening to this a little later. Um, but all right. So there's probably a lot. Of, actually, we, we heard today from somebody who was accepted to UT. Yeah, a couple of clients, I think. Um, okay. So that's that's the process. Yep. Are you looking, obviously, you're looking at, at everything. You're looking at the recommendations. You're looking at the resume. You're looking at the at the essay questions. Could you maybe just give us a, a brief overview of, of how those things fit together? I mean, I think that applicants sometimes think that the, re- the requirements are almost a little bit random. And I don't believe that's true at all. I think they each have a function and a purpose. So maybe give us a little overview on that. Yeah, for sure. So generally speaking, we're looking at your academic aptitude through the undergraduate and graduate transcripts and any test scores that you're able to submit as, you know, as part of the application. That academic aptitude is really important uh, because it is an academically rigorous program. That first semester is incredibly tough with a lot of quantitatively heavy classes. So we want to make sure that students are set up for success. So when assessing academic aptitude, we're looking both at those undergraduate graduate transcripts, which for most people are in the past, right? Um, And then uh, the, the test uh, options in the test score um, help us uh, complement the history that you have with something that might be more up to date. So that's the academic review of the application. Um, we also are interested in your professional trajectory. So in assessing your professional trajectory, you know, average um, years work experience for our full-time MBA is five and a half. So we're looking for individuals that have had an impact in the industries that they've been a part of. So we look at your resume, we look at your letter of recommendation um, as part of the evaluation of your professional trajectory. And for us, again, impact is paramount. Uh, Trajectory, hopefully an upward trajectory is is great. Um, You don't have to have also kind of the perfect resume, right? You may have some gaps, especially in a world that has been, I think, turned upside down with COVID. That's perfectly okay. Um, What's important, I think, for your listeners to do and prospective students in general is to help us uh, help the admissions committee understand what that trajectory was. And if there are any gaps, let us know what happened. So that professional trajectory piece is the second piece of the tripod. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last piece, I think, is all about the applicant in Texas Macombs. So why do you want to pursue an MBA? Why Texas Macombs, you know, specifically? What are your dreams and your passions? And why do you want to be a part of our community? So we assess that piece via the essays and via the, the interview um, as well. So I, I think that's like the, the admissions tripod and how the different components really interact with each other yeah how would the recommendations fit in so the recommendations more around that professional trajectory um, let us know kind of your impact in the workplace but we also have some questions around teamwork and collaboration uh, that help us um, kind of assess the fit with the culture within that letter of recommendation as well right now for you have Two required essays, I believe, in an optional essay, right? For That's essay right. one, you give the option of a 250-word essay or a one-minute video. Do you have any preference? So we don't have a preference, so we give you the option, um, and we like prospective students, applicants, to really pick 
the communication medium that where they're going to be able to put their best foot forward. I will say that between 20 to 30% of the applicant pool actually do the video. So it, it might not be as high as some of the applicant uh, may, may expect. Uh, but the, the goal of that first essay is really an informal um, essay for us to get to know you a little bit better. I often uh, encourage applicants to highlight aspects of their candidacy that we may not know from the resume uh, or from our letter recommendations. So oftentimes talking to or sharing with us information about their passions or the whys behind the decisions that they made academically and professionally are really great ways to use that um, essay number one. Great. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you. Yeah. What can applicants expect if they're lucky enough to be invited to interview? Yeah, so um, I love interviewing candidates uh, when I can. So here at Texas Macombs, the interviews are conducted by admissions officers, by current students and alumni um, for you know all the rounds since COVID. All of our interviews have been conducted virtually. Um, we are hoping that in round two, we'll be able to do the interviews virtually and maybe introduce a couple in-person options on campus um, if the COVID situation allows. Um, but uh, the interviews by invitation only, they are uh, blind interviews, which means the interviewer only has had access to your resume. So as we approach the interview, it usually starts with the applicant's elevator pitch, you know, on their background. Usually we like that to be three to five minutes max. And then we dive into questions around, you know, why an MBA, why now, why Texas Macombs. The interview itself lasts between 30 to 45 minutes. It is behavioral in nature. So lots of tell me about a time when. Um, types of questions around leadership and uh, collaboration and teamwork. Um, we do not have case interviews or group interviews. And at the end, I think uh, it's always important to, for your listeners and applicants in general to have good questions to ask whoever the interviewer is. Um, and important to really tailor the follow-up questions that you have to who is interviewing you. So I'll have a different set of questions to ask if you're being interviewed by a student versus an admissions officer versus an alum. Will you know ahead of time who's interviewing you? Yeah, you will. Uh, you Well, you will know if they are a student, admissions officer, or alum. Um, you may not know their name until you uh, start the interview. Okay. Now, you've been doing this for over 10 years. What's the most common mistake you see applicants make? Yeah, so um, it happens every year, <laughs> no matter how much we communicate. So I, I hope that uh, I, I know that your listeners are awesome <laughs> and they're not going to make these mistakes because they're listening to this podcast. So the first one is seems really simple, but it's not answering the essay prompt. So as you build your application and you focus on that, those essays, it is really important for you to engage with individuals within your community. Uh, if you have an opportunity to work with an ambitious component, a consultant, awesome as well. Uh, but uh, always ask yourself and those that are reviewing your essays if you're pro uh, appropriately um, answering the essay prompt. Uh, I know that applicants have a lot to share, right? And they want to share everything with us. Remember that there are a lot of different application components and opportunities for you to share who you are. The essays are a great asset to your application, but it's only gonna be one that you're gonna be able to capitalize on if you answer that essay prompt. So that's kind of number one. And I have two other ones, uh, if I can sneak them in. Is that okay, Linda? Absolutely. This, has been, <laughs> so, this is great. <laughs> so the second one, it's also around essays. Uh, and it seems really basic. 
So I I can see some of our listeners maybe like rolling their eyes whenever they listen to this, but mentioning the wrong school name in the application is a big no no. That haps, happens more often than you think. So make sure to double, triple check the materials that you're submitting with your application that you know that you're listing out the right school name. And the second one is a kind of a new nuance that we've been seeing, um, I, I would say, as of the past three to five years, which is discrepancies between your resume that you submit with the application and any information that you have that have out on LinkedIn. So as part of the application here at Texas McCombs, um, applicants can submit their LinkedIn if they have a LinkedIn profile. If you are going to submit your LinkedIn profile with your application, and that piece of it is optional, the resume is not optional, to submit your LinkedIn profile, make sure that the LinkedIn profile matches the resume on the jobs that you've had, on the dates, et cetera. Because if there are discrepancies between both of them, you may raise questions from the admissions committee. And you don't want the admissions committee to have questions. You want to answer any questions that we have. So those discrepancies between resume and LinkedIn can be a little bit tricky sometimes. Um, so be on the lookout for, the, for that. Those are great insights and great input. Um, the first two I've, I've heard before, and actually I've many times been asked, what are schools looking for? And my first answer is they're looking for the answer to their question. <laughs> That's why they ask the question. They want the answer. But of course, sometimes there's no question that, that applicants don't um, answer it directly. That's something that we, we frequently work with applicants on. All right, let's, let's move on to another question. Some applicants have specific elements of their background that give them grave concern. How do you view applicants who had a dip in grades or perhaps a period of unemployment due to depression or emotional illness? That's one group, and they're, just, they're definitely distinct groups. And the second one is how do you do, view applicants who perhaps have an academic infraction or a misdemeanor on their record? Yep, the great, great question. So to answer the scenario number one, um, I'll um, let applicants know that they can use the optional essay to give us more insight into that particular situation. So it's perfectly okay if you had a period of unemployment at some point during your professional career up to this point. Uh, and it can be because of depression or emotional illness or just a situation outside of those uh, two factors, you know, with COVID specifically, uh, depending on the, the industry that you've been in, you may have been impacted more heavily, or maybe your family situation where you may have had, you know, to quit your job to take care of family members. Um, it can happen here in the U.S., but it happens, I think, even more often um, abroad in some of the countries um, that where we have a lot of MBA applicants. So using that optional essay to really help us understand what it was uh, is really key. And then for the second scenario around an academic depression or misdemeanor on your record, we have a, a specific question on the application itself um, where you can address these two items. Um, there is a limit on that question, um, if the, the answer to that question. Um, so if you feel like you didn't provide us all of the context around what happened there, you can always use the optional essay to add on some more um, kind of insight into those particular situations too. Um, one thing that I will say about um, academic infractions or misdemeanors, um, you know, if it's a DUI, for example, it, it happens, right? And it's usually in the past. And for us, what we're looking for is for you to own the situation and own what happened and share with us what you learned from that particular um, kind of what, you know, that particular situation. So we're not looking for, you know, excuses or pointing off the finger and it wasn't my fault. Um, kind of explain the situation for us, um, own it, um, and then let us know what you learned from it is, is I think the message that I'll leave your listeners with. Avoiding the blame game is a good yes. idea. Okay. Yes. Right. Now, let's say a listener is uh, thinking about applying 
for this this cycle still. Now realize that this show is likely to air January 11th. I believe your round two deadline will have passed by then. Um, so they're looking at around three a late a late round application. So I have two two related questions. What advice would you give for that person? And who who do you think or whom do you think would be better off waiting till next year or continuing with a round three application? So that is a, a great question. So uh, we have a round three for a reason. So we take applications in round three. We admit students in round three. The one thing that I'll say with round three, though, is applicants in that round need to be ready to go. Um, we receive those applications. We turn the evaluation around really quickly, usually within a month. So you get that admissions decision pretty quickly because you have to be in Austin by early August starting the program. So there's very little runway uh, for you to kind of settle in um, and get ready. You should be ready to go when you submit that application. So for listeners that um, are really gung-ho into starting in fall of 2022 and feel ready to do so, I'll say, Apply for round three, you have that chance um, and, and, and go for it. Uh, but only, again, if you're ready to start. Um, for those that are interested in starting in fall of uh, 2023, uh, so that will be the next admission cycle, there's still quite a bit of time. Um, you know, we usually open the application sometime in late July, early August for that next cycle. Um, and we you know, tease a few announcements over the summer, like our new essays and any new updates to the application components. But my advice for those applicants would be make a plan um, and give yourself enough time to explore different schools. Um, if you are going to take the exam, um, make time to prep for the exam whenever you're taking the GMAT, the GRE, or the EA, preparation is key. So make a plan that is really encompassing um, where you're going to give yourself enough time to study, uh, to have enough time to do some introspection exercises uh, where you can uh, figure out what are the right schools that you're going to be applying to and then work on those essays and then submit the application. So make a calendar plan if you're looking to apply uh, fall, um, kind of the, for the, the next fall, fall of 2020. I think you're talking about those who want to apply in fall 2022 for matriculation in summer 2023. And we actually have a timeline that we've developed and it talks about starting in January. If you want to apply round one of the, of this next cycle, because that gives you time to clarify your goals, research career opportunities, research the schools. Yes, take, and if necessary, retake the exam, if that's what how it works out. Perhaps get involved in some community service, um, if that's something that you haven't been doing and you want to do. It, so I'll, I'll link to that from the show notes also, at accept.com slash 452. But um, anyway, I, I think that I completely agree with you, not that you need my agreement, uh, that mapping out a timeline, a schedule, so that you will be ready for either round one or round two, or whenever you want to apply, is just going to increase, your, optimize your chances of acceptance and, and your application. Sure. Rodrigo, we're, we're running out of time. Is there anything else you would have liked me to ask you or you'd just like to bring up at this point? No. So just to the, the last point that you made, um, I, I not to harp on the point that we both already made, but um, an MBA is not an impulse buy. An MBA is a transformational journey. And in order for your listeners uh, and general applicants to really take full of advantage uh, kind of of what um, is offered, um, you need to take the steps necessary to pause, think about it, introspect, select the right number of schools and come prepared. Um, so treat it as a uh, more than a durable good purchase. <laughs> it is not, you know, a Tic Tac that you buy at the, at the corner grocery store. So take your time preparing for it and have a little bit of fun as well. You're going to meet a lot of different people, hear a lot of um, different stories. So take your time 
before you apply, uh, really exploring and preparing. And you just feel good when you hit that submit button. It should be a moment of relief, but also a moment of celebration that you're doing the right thing. I agree. I agree. Great. Thank you so much for your response. Thank you so much for the entire interview. Um, and thank you for joining me today. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about UT Austin Macombs full-time MBA program? Yeah. So macombs.utexas.edu is our website. So that's the, the best uh, place to learn information about Texas Macombs. Um, but I do encourage your listeners to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Rodrigo Malta is a pretty unique name. Um, and if you Google Rodrigo Malta, Texas Macombs email, my email comes up because I'm the only Rodrigo Malta in all of UT. So <laughs> if you all have questions, kind of reach out to me and I love to be a connector. And uh, if I don't know the answer to your question, I likely know the person that does and I'm happy to connect you with them. Great. We'll include links in the show notes at accepted.com slash 452 UT Austin McCombs, as well as to related articles and interviews, including the timeline, including the uh, interview I had with James Chance, who was the LBS student who did an exchange program at UT Austin and loved it. Don't forget or miss out on Accepted's next MBA admissions webinar, round three versus next year. You'll acquire clear, actionable guidelines so that you can determine if a round three application is for you or not. Save your spot at accepted.com slash round three. Listener, thank you too for joining Rodrigo Malta, the one and only, and me for our 452nd episode. If you find the show worthwhile, please subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any future shows, be they with admissions directors, professors, current students, test prep pros, or alumni doing great things. You'll find subscribe links at accepted.com slash 452 or at lovethepodcast.com slash AST as an admission straight talk. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk, produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <music>